Hey everybody, it's comedian Trent McClellan, and you're listening to my podcast called The Generators. Every single week I have a cool guest and we talk about uh, life, professions, creativity, success, failure, and all sorts of other cool stuff. In every single one of these conversations I learned a great deal and I'm pretty sure you're going to learn a great deal too. So uh, hang on tight and thanks for listening to The Generators. Returned with the Generators podcast, huh? I can hear you. I can hear you clapping your hands out there. Wherever you are right now, I can hear the applause. I wish I had, uh, you know, sound effects like they have in, at radio stations. Where you can just do the fake applause. or. But you know what? This is a one-man uh, operation here. And I don't have uh, access to that. Actually, I could probably just YouTube it. But whatever. That's not even as neither here nor there. Uh, thanks for your patience, everybody. If you've been listening to the generators, uh, for a while, and then you're like, man, there's just been a massive gap of nothingness for, uh, probably six to eight months. And that's cause I had a job, everybody. Okay. I had commitments. I had to be somewhere. And, um, that was, uh, of course, uh, being on 22 minutes and, uh, we were taping for six months. And I just kind of focused on that, to be honest, because it took a lot of energy and focus. And I thought maybe I'll be able to squeeze in some episodes, but it just didn't happen. So now that the show has wrapped, I am now able to commit fully to uh, the generators and getting back on the old stand-up stage. So uh, I'm back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The prodigal son here just yeah, went out, spent everything, and now I'm coming back like, uh, help me out. Come on back. Listen again, please. You know, I get it. You probably want to give me a lecture, you know, about commitment. And it's like, I get it. I, you know, I, I, you know, what do you want from me? You know? Um, anyway, thanks to all of you who reached out and were like, hey, man, when's the next episode of the, uh, of the podcast? I really do appreciate that. It means people were listening and people were actually enjoying it. And that, uh, that means the world to me. That was, that's why I did it in the first place, was hoping that. These conversations would uh, resonate with people, and uh, clearly that was the case. I am now in Calgary, Alberta. It is Friday today. What's today? May 11th, May 11th, 2018. And uh, I'm sitting on the couch with uh, Odin, my Staffordshire Bull Terrier, who's just leaning on me. You know, like, I don't know if your dog does that, but Odin does this thing where it's like, dude, he doesn't put his full body on you, but it's like pretty much about 94% of his body weight, just on you at all times, you know? And uh, that's how he wakes me in the morning, besides the licking of the face. And um, generally when you sit down, that's the process. Is it, Can you hear him? That's him doing his size, uh, that mean, hey, I ain't getting enough attention. So if you wouldn't mind using the other hand to also scratch me with both hands, that's... Uh, that's the level of spoiled we're talking here with the old O-Dog. So, uh, yeah, we're here in sunny Calgary, although it's not that warm. Only about 13, 14 degrees today. It has been warm for the last little while, and now it uh, feels a little fallish, you know. But uh, we can't complain. Summer's around the corner, hopefully. Please, God. 
And uh, so, yeah, I'm back and excited, man. I was listening to some old episodes of the podcast to kind of get back in the vibe of it. And uh, I'm really proud, man, of of, uh, of the conversations we had. Some incredible people who've done incredible things and sharing their wisdom and time with me. And uh, I was I was like, yeah, man, like this, this sounds pretty good. This is not to toot my own horn, but I'm like, these are some some really great conversations and some really useful advice and stuff that I think people can plug into their own life. So that was the whole reason why I want to do this. Just capture great conversations, not have too much of a set agenda, just kind of let it go where it was going to go. And, uh, I think that's exactly what happened. So what's going on with me? So wrap 22 minutes, had a blast this season. Uh, a lot of hard work. There's no doubt about it. And, but it was an incredible year, uh, or I should say half a year, six months is the, the taping time. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience, man. It's like you just go in every day, put your hard hat on and go to work, and then you create a bunch of silliness and make people laugh, and you come in the next day and do it again. So just an incredible opportunity. Everybody there was so amazing. Um, all the crew, the cast, executive producers, uh, wardrobe people, makeup, hair. Um, I was in about a thousand ridiculous wigs this season, which seemed to be giving people a lot of chuckles. And uh, yeah, man, I had a blast. And plus Halifax, which the show where the show was recorded in Halifax, by the way, a lot of folks think it's Toronto, but it's not. It's been in Halifax since the get-go for 25 years. What a great city. I mean, that was the most time I've ever spent there. And great food, uh, place, lots of great restaurants of every different variety, um, lots of live music venues. I checked out a lot of uh, a lot of live shows. Of course, great people. Um, so I, I don't have a bad word to say about Halifax. What a what a fantastic! It's like a little big city. That's kind of the vibe of it. You know, it's small, but um, it's got some big city feel to it at times. So really enjoyed my time there. So now settling back into Calgary life, I'm trying to figure out what the hell did I do before I had a job what did it what did it look like so basically I just been like trying to get to the gym every day or do a run or something take Odin out walk around and then uh hang out you know with my wife when she gets home and then uh head off to comedy clubs to uh work on some new material why you may ask oh I don't know because I'm going on tour okay yeah yeah Going on tour, guys. Western Canada. Uh, I got dates right here. Okay, you're probably wondering, wow, is he coming to my city? Will he bring his hilarious and ridiculous observations to my town? Well, if you live in one of these towns, the answer is yes. Brooks, Alberta, May 15th. I think the Griffin Park Theater is where we're playing there. Uh, the next night, I'm in Kelowna at the Kelowna Forum. Okay. Uh, the night after that, I'm in Chilliwack. At the Dahiyahi room. Okay, whatever how the hell that's pronounced. I don't know. I'm sure that'll take a beat when I get up on stage. Okay. Uh, the next two nights, I think we're talking May 18th and 19th. I'm in Victoria at Heckler's, which is one of my favorite places to play. Uh, Aaron does such a good job taking care of the comics. And the crowds are always amazing. Plus, Victoria is one of my favorite places to go visit. Beautiful city. Uh, I love it. I love Kelowna too, obviously. Like it's, I mean, beautiful, beautiful places. I'm a, I'm a pretty lucky person to get to go around and see all this amazing beauty that this country has to offer. And um, 
where are we? Then I have a few days off. Then May 23rd, I'm at the Comic Strip in Edmonton, Alberta. Okay? I haven't played the Comic Strip in years, so I'm excited. One night only uh, at the Comic Strip in Edmonton. And then I got a bunch of days off. And then the big show, we got like 500 seats in Calgary at the Bella Concert Hall on May 30th. Okay? So if you're in one of those towns or you're close by, get yourself there. I'd love to see you. And what we're doing, which is a little bit different, uh, I've done it on a few shows and it seems like the feedback for it is really good, is that I do, we have an open, I have an opening act, Donovan Deschner, who's hilarious, and then I come out and do an hour of stand-up, and then we do a question and answer live from the stage. So if you have questions about stand-up or about how I write material or about 22 minutes or about... Anything you want to ask about failure or life or whatever, I will answer it. And it's not a chance for me to roast you and go, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a plumber. It's not that. It's just a sincere conversation and me answering your questions in the most genuine way I can. So it's been going really well, and some folks have been asking some really really interesting questions. And the reason why I want to do it that way is rather than going to the lobby after the show and meeting people, I was like, I would rather, and then people ask questions at that time, I'd rather just... You guys asked the questions, and now everyone can hear the answer to it. And, uh, yeah, I've been getting emails from folks uh, saying how much they really enjoy that portion of it. So really excited to get back on the road. I've been working on new material um, over the last bunch of weeks and um, hitting some spots here in Calgary. So, uh, yeah, man, excited to get out there on the road again and get at it. So you can get your tickets at TrentsComedy.com. All the show information is there. So, again, TrentsComedy.com. All right, setting up this return episode of The Generators, my guest is the hilarious comedian Pete Zedlacker. Pete has done absolutely everything there is to do in the Canadian comedy world probably about 35 times over. Um, All the festivals, Just for Laughs, Halifax, Winnipeg, he has done them all. He is part of the Snowden Comedy Tour that's been going around the country for the last bunch of years that's just been crushing it with uh, ticket sales um they built a great brand right now and uh they've been they've been absolutely destroying with four four killer comics and uh, pete's one of those guys that when i started he was already a well-established headliner and i i actually opened for him on a bunch of shows when i first started out and then he you know he, he was coming through because he li- lived in toronto at the time was coming through you'd do a few shows together and then you know you wouldn't see him again for a year or two and now he has moved to Calgary. So I was like, oh, man, I'll see him all the time. But because of my schedule and his schedule, we just never seem to be in the same room at the same time. So finally I reached out to him. I was like, dude, look, do you want to do an episode of my podcast? I'd love to have you talk comedy and uh, and and wherever else it goes. And he was like, sure. So he popped by the house and, uh, and did that. And we have a great conversation, man, about stand-up, uh, what it's like to be a stand-up, the creative process. Um, and, uh, it was really interesting and really good to kind of get to know him even a little bit better. You know, you, you meet people and you interact with them over the course of your lifetime, but you know, sometimes you just don't have the proper environment to really sit down and get to know someone. So I feel like I do know Pete a little bit better, uh, after the hour we kind of spent together. So, uh, it's cool to have him in Calgary, man. I think he's really been enjoying his time here and I think that comes through in the episode. So uh, it was great to have him. And it's great to be back doing the podcast. So I'm going to have more of these episodes coming to you. So I hope uh, 
you, 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 you're listening and you can go back yourself and listen to the old episodes and get yourself up to speed. And then uh, you can start looking forward to more episodes, you know, and then you can share it with your friends. You're like, hey, you looking for something to do? You ever need something to fill your ear holes? Well, there's a podcast called The Generators by Trent McClellan, and I think you should have a listen. I'd really appreciate that if you shared the word about this thing, you know? Is uh, put my heart and soul out there. I wouldn't mind someone uh, sharing it for me. I mean, that'd be fantastic if you were to do that. There's a Facebook page as well, uh, The Generators with Trent McClellan. You can check that out and give it a like and some comments if you want to. That would be fantastic. Um, so, yeah, um, have a listen to my great conversation with Pete Zedlacher. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. And it's good to be back. So, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And, uh, and uh, enjoy the talk. Shining down, good luck. Baby, got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much ground, got game by the town. Getting paid is a forte each and every day. There we go. It's working. We're running into it. I do a, like a cold uh, intro later. Like I'll do a, a, a proper intro to set you up. Um, Pete Sedlacher, welcome to Shea Trent. This is this is where it all Thanks. happens. Do I get intro music? Do there I will get, be music. Yeah. It'll be huge. What is It'll it? Be, Do I get a choice? Uh, it's a buddy of mine from St. John's, Jerry Stamp. He put out a cool album a bunch of years back called Rogue Dope. And the song is called Firing Line. And uh, it's a cool tune. Newfoundlanders aren't known for music, are they? Hey, uh, do they have any music in them? <laughs> they, they have a story or two in them? Um, what we just, before we started, what we were just talking about, we're talking about. Well, literally walked in here, and I'm in uh, Trent's beautiful home here in the in the deep south. Deep south, like deep south, Kentucky somewhere. That's what it feels like <laughs> when people say that. I'm in New Calgarians, and when people say the deep south, I'm like, yeah. what's going to happen down there? You realize how big we this- like a pig? <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to. You go got down a there. pretty mouth, boy. <laughs> like what? I, dude, when we first moved down here, I thought like, where the hell? Because we'd always live central or northwest. Yeah. And we moved down here. I was like, is this still Calgary? Like for real? Is this still Calgary? I think we're close to Lethbridge. At this it's point. pretty close. It's not a far <laughs> hike. Like for me to get to Edmonton, it's an extra forty-five minutes. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, it's three-hour sure. drive. Actually, it's three forty-five to get from yeah, yeah. to get from here. Yeah. Um, Worth the drive though. It's a beautiful home. Thank beautiful you, sir. Neighborhood. I rainy day here in uh, in Cowtown. Are you, what do you, do you get affected by rain at all? Or are you kind of. I was going to go for a run this morning and I saw it was raining. I was like, nope, not doing nope. it. Not going go to happen. Do some treadmill training. I'm from today. the East Coast where like rain was just part of most weeks. So I, I've kind of adjusted. Right. A buddy of mine who moved to Vancouver where it's, excuse me, famously um, rainy. Mm-hmm. He goes, he wasn't affected by it as much because coming from Newfoundland, he goes, but folks who are used to a lot of sunshine, they do go into that kind of depression where it's like, God, oh, 30 days of overcast and rain right. and stuff, you know? Um Growing up on the shores of Lake Superior, I think we had the same climate as uh, you guys in Newfoundland. Like, just rain always time. got rained on, always got so much snow, like, record amount of snowfall always every every winter. So, uh, when we saw sun, it was just like, oh, who's this orange ball in the sky? <laughs> what, what do we do? <laughs> I'm burnt already. Uh, yeah, exactly. Dude, I went to an all-inclusive resort once uh, for a, a good friend of mine, his wedding. It was in Mexico. And, dude... It was the coldest weather they'd ever had on record for like four or five days. So, like you know, it's all inclusive, booze, food included. So, first two or three days, you're you know, you're making like that, whatever, just drinking doors, whatever. But by day four, you're like, 
Yeah, came down for some sunshine and yeah, some heat. That's the whole thing. And then I think it was day four or five. We opened up the curtains and the sun was out, dude. It was like people flocking, <laughs> like running, just pushing over yeah. kids out of the way. I gotta get to the beach. I got forty eight hours left. That's right. Yeah, just it soak was, it all in. It was intense. Um, so you're originally from uh, Wawa, Ontario. Wawa, How big Ontario. is Wawa? When I was a child, I was told it was about seven thousand people. Okay, which was the peak. So for most of my life in Wawa, it was about 5,000 people, 5,500. Okay. Um, and then the mine closed down in, uh, in the early 90s, and the town has just whittled. Yeah. And I think, I think they claim it's 2,200 right now. Wow. But it feels way less. It's, man, like my, because my hometown, Cornerbrook, is a mill mm-hmm. town, right? And yeah. when I lived there, <clears throat> excuse me, it was about 30,000 people, and I think now down to about 22. Okay. Uh, and, of course, now with less paper being sold, you know, like just in the world in general. And you realize like how these, these industries are like the hubs of these towns, you know, like if that goes away, yeah, what's left, you know, it's hard. Same story with Wawa. They've tried to uh, keep the ball in the air with uh, other industries. Like there's always been um, the logging industry has always been, you know, that element, but gold mining and diamond mining is like the really, yeah. But that's, it's so sporadic and it doesn't, it's not like there's going to be thousands of people working in a diamond mine, you know? Yeah. So, um, so now the town is just a lot of elderly people that are just refusing to leave. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Margaret, you've got to go. It's no, I, I was born here and I, and you get it, man. And Newfoundland is, is going through that period too, where like a lot of the young people are leaving and moving on. Yeah. And there's a lot of folks who are like, no, I, I want to be here. But it's like, what's keeping you there? Besides the romantic notion of being there, it's like, you know, what are you going to do for a living? Are you going to have the quality of life that you want to have? And if you can, fantastic. But a lot of folks can't, and so they, they up and go. Uh, but it makes you wonder, like, what is the future in 10 years, 15, 20 years? No, like for no, Wawa, it, right? Like, yeah, I, don't, I really don't know what's going to happen with Wawa. But it'll always be there because it's a, a hub on the Trans-Canada Highway. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing between. It's the northeast corner of Lake Superior, if you're listening and want to know where where Wawa is, but it's between Thunder Bay and Sault Ste. Marie. Okay. So that's um, a seven or eight hour chunk of driving. So there has to be something in between for all the transport. So there's going to be some version of Wawa always there, but I would love to see it booming again. Like, like it was when I was a kid, but I'm not sure it will happen. And then the question I had just when you, when you said about uh, Newfoundland, like, is that true? There's a, um, like a, a bit of a bitterness about people who move away from Newfoundland and then move back again? Like, is there... A bit, uh, towards those people? Well, the people that leave to go, like, to the to the patch and make a bunch of money, and then that goes kerplunk, and then they end up back in Newfoundland, and they're kind of, like, shunned, like, no, you're back now, are you? <laughs> is, that, right. is that a true thing? I think there are some people who view it that way, yeah. who are like, oh, it wasn't good enough for you that's, before. That's what oh, it, look who's back, yeah, everybody, yeah. with his shiny new pickup, yeah, and, yeah, oh, right. he's got a C-Doo, yeah. and... I think there is a little bit of that, but I think there is far more acceptance of the fact that people realize, man, sometimes the, the things that you want in the life that you want are not right there in front of you, so you have to go find it, you know? And, and I always think about Newfoundland was founded by folks who were exploring and looking oh, for sure. other opportunities, so I always see that. I mean, I, a part of me will always want to be home for sure, but at some point, like when I left uh, Newfoundland, there was nowhere to do stand-up comedy, so... Right. 
you know, there was a club since, but now that's gone as well. So it was like, well, what, how am I going to find the career that I want to find? So you, you're sometimes just physically forced to do it. But yeah, I think there was a little bit of that resentment of like, oh, now we're good enough for you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I think there is an acceptance too of so many folks who've moved away. And now there's a trend for folks trying to find ways to come back. So they have kids and now they want to be closer to grandparents and stuff. Yeah. So it makes sense, you know, but, but there is a little bit of that. I think that's a, a small town mentality in general. Like uh, when somebody leaves a small town and then they end up back there, it's like, Oh geez, wasn't good enough for you. And now you're back again. Kind of. I remember talking to um, when I did the just for last tour, I was touring with David O'Doherty from Ireland. Right. And we ended up talking about U2, like the band, like the biggest band on the planet, like U2. And he said, there's a lot of resentment from Irish people about U2. And I'm like, how? Like, that's like, yeah, like that would be your band. He's like, no, because they went away. That's why, right? They went away, and at the height of their career, you know, Bono was wearing a cowboy hat, and you know, like it was just, <laughs> right. you know, just all of a sudden they're not Irish enough anymore, you know. So yeah, there's still that that weird resentment for uh, people that left. It is odd. I actually heard an interview with Bono once, and he said, he goes in America when people look at the house on the hill, the big mansion on the hill, they go, someday that's going to be me. All right. He goes, but in Ireland, when people look at the house on the hill, they go. That son of a bitch. Like, there's always that little, right. like, you should be here with the rest of us. Right. Like, don't think you're better than us. Knock you know? down a couple of pins. Yeah. yeah. Like, a you know, tall poppy syndrome kind yeah. of thing. So, so you're, you're in <laughs> Wawa. And then from Wawa, do you go yeah, to. Direct- we have the same, uh, same kind of creative drive, like small town guys that were just, uh, had a need to, uh, scratch this itch of comedy, I guess, right? Weird. Or performing or. I didn't really know what exactly it was, but I knew it was not in Wawa. I yeah. Knew that. I knew that for sure. That makes a lot of sense, man. Actually, yeah. it's like you don't know what it is. It's like when you look in the fridge, you know, you don't know what it is you want, and you're like, it's not here. Well, yeah. what is it? Oh, it? I don't know what it is. Oh, it's boredom. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, <laughs> get me out of this town because it's just boredom. <laughs> uh, but you know what? That's, isn't, you think that's relative to anybody living anywhere? Like I had a friend of mine, my cousin actually, lived in Canmore. Right. I go to Canmore, Alberta. I'm like, this is one of the most stunning places sure. on the planet. And I say to him, dude, like, you went to school here, grew up. He goes, dude, couldn't wait to get the hell out of here. Bored out of our minds, never any concerts that I could go to. Like, you know what I mean? So it's always relative to where you are in your life and where you are physically, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, but once I left, there's no going back from me. (laughs) There's just no way. You know, I like, uh, I like fine dining. I like coffee shops. I like concerts. I like, you know, the, the things that. The, the things that cities offer like I right. just uh, I got you know I still have tons of friends that are there you know like, how are you doing what's that you know they're raising kids and that's their whole life is yep. just their kids kind of thing and you know like so what else is going on is it well that's it you know you know Dominic's got a basketball game or something you know it's just like okay well that's yeah I'm gonna go off to Egypt you know, and <laughs> live a life I feel uncomfortable about that sometimes because I talk to good friends who are still back home and I love finding out what's going on with them. Yeah. But then because I'm in this life, the focus then turns tends to turn on me and it's like I kind of am uncomfortable with it. Do you oh, know what I mean? Because you're you're saying, well, I was here and here and there and I went and did this and that. that. And it's like it sounds like you're being. Yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? Pretentious. I know. And it's sure. like, OK, I don't want to talk about me anymore. Yeah. Like, hey, so how's Billy? Is he still playing soccer? Right. Like, I want to get back into their world. I don't know if you've had that. I've like, had the actual opposite of that, like hanging out with some, you know, friends that are just that that's their life is their kids. And that's all they're talking about is their kids. And, you know, and I do not have kids. And, right. you know, so it's like I can't contribute to the conversation of. So then they work me into the conversation, and then I say, yeah, so when I was in uh, Israel last week, I was da-da-da-da, and it sounds like 
Oh, Mr. La Di Da, <laughs> fancy travel in the world guy. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting, but it, whatever. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's funny too because I, like when I first started, when I was first got into stand up, I used to feel a pressure. When people go, hey, this is Trent, and he's a comedian. I hate it. And I used to feel a the pressure then to be funny. Yeah. And I got to a certain point in my life where I was like, I don't really give a shit anymore. I'm just going to be me. Whatever that is in the moment, if that's I'm in the mood to be silly or if I'm in the mood to be serious and just listen, I'm going to be that. Right. But before, I used to feel this immense pressure to be on oh, boy. all the time. Yeah. And only to you, when I once I got older, I realized how irritating that is. <laughs> <laughs> to be rough, sure. someone was like, "Hey, look at this! Oh, I, got a, I got a this coaster on somebody, my head. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> somebody, please unplug this guy. Punch me in the face. No, I get it. Yeah, it's uh, oh, interesting. We're getting some interesting avenues here already in this. Uh, oh no, doubt, beginning man. of this podcast. Have we started yet? Are we oh, recording? dude, totally. Yeah. Oh, okay, we're almost wrapping it up. It's <laughs> almost. <laughs> <laughs> my guest today, guys, has been Pete Zedlacher. Uh, in case you were wondering what the hell you've been listening to for the last uh, half hour but i i because other this theme has come up on the podcast in the past is like with other comedians is like because we're in it all the time we've been in it for a while you sometimes forget how insane a life this is you know like to do this for a living and to you stand on a stage you have thoughts you share them with an audience an audience laughs you pack up you go to the next town like that is a really surreal have you ever had that moment where you think about your profession and go like it is a surreal thing it's it's surreal when you try to explain something to a civilian, you know, like like even this week I was talking to my mom, who loves me and knows what I do professionally, and I've been doing this for twenty one years. And I tell her like she's like, so what do you have coming up? And I'm like, yeah, not much coming up in May at all. Like I've got uh, just a couple of spots around town, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I don't have any kind of paid shows until June. She was like, oh my god, like what? What are you gonna like? Like, in her mind, you have to be doing this every day to earn a living. Right, right. right. Whereas, you know, no. Like, you can do a couple of these a month and, and do very well. Kind yeah. of, you know. But in her mind, it's like, no, you have to nine to five, five days a week. Is that? But still, 21 years in, she still can't wrap her head around. Yeah. No, there's downtime where I work on my craft. Like, that's, yeah. Uh, and I can still eat. Yeah. And I can still live indoors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doing quite well. Thanks. Well, there still are the stereotypes, I think, about the profession of, like, this... Uh, concept of like the starving artist and and all those things and, and you and realize it's perpetuated by comics like yeah i just was at the club this weekend you came by and yeah. were generous enough to stop by and do a couple of opening spots but i saw a couple of opening comics going up there and talking about their day job on stage like this is a professional comedy show on a saturday night right stop talking about your day job just I, just work it as like hey a job i used to have before i did this professionally like yeah as soon as you say you know, in the day, you know, I'm a comedian. So that means in the daytime I'm a barista, whatever. Like, no. Yeah. No, your headliner hasn't had a job in 20 years. Like, I know. It's, yeah. And like, did you have this moment, too, where, like, to me, that was making it. Like, if I got to a point in my life where I could do stand-up full-time, it wasn't going to matter what I got television-wise or festival-wise. I was like, if I can be that guy who, after I finish on the weekend, doesn't have to go to a job the next morning, I was like, I will be, that will be a certain level of happiness for me. Did yeah. you have that moment? I've had that moment. I, I remember just not having to have that day where I go back. I was a bartender, <laughs> right? So yeah. I remember doing um, like a, a paid spot at the club on the weekend in Toronto. And it was a packed club. Like I rocked my 15-minute set. It was, you know, and then the next night I was bartending. And a guy comes up to the bar and says, uh, hey, what do you have? On t- hey, you're Pete. You're the comedian. Is it? Yeah, I'm the comedian. I saw you last night at the, the Laugh Resort. I was like, oh, my God, it was a great show. Holy shit. It was great. 
anyway, can I get a pint of blue? Uh, I'm like, yeah. And then just immediately feeling like, oh, it just, yeah, yeah. I don't want that feeling anymore, no. having a day job kind of thing. No. So, so yeah. once I turned to, you know, pro and I didn't have to do that anymore, that I did, I just said goodbye to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Embarrassment of never having to go through that again. Yeah. But that was the victory. And like you talked about it earlier about like working on your craft in between shows. And that's when I realized like, if I can go get a day job, like that's something that you do stand up so many days a week and then you go get a day job. What if I took that work ethic and put it into my stand up exactly. and sat and tried to write jokes and yeah. put the effort in that way? Maybe that will create more opportunities for me stand up wise, will create more financial opportunity, and then I won't have to go back to that world ever again. But that to me to this day is still the fire pr- yeah. of like, I'm not going back. If every comic in the country had that fire, this, this scene would be on fire. Like, yeah. you know, like more people need that work ethic for sure. But that, I think that's the, the, the double-edged sword of being a comedian is you don't have a boss. You don't have anyone pushing you yeah. to evolve. Yeah. And the same thing that draws you to it can be the thing that will cause you not to grow. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like if someone stood over you and said, Pete, you got to crank out half an hour in the next three months. Mm-hmm. I, we need that from you. I literally have that, though, now. Yeah, like the, but you've got your own work ethic, right? Yeah. Like you've been one of the hardest working guys, I think, you know, ever since I started. Well, and in I recent years, you. I started with the, the Snowden comedy tour, yeah. right? So we do... 50 shows, 46 cities across the country. Crazy. And every year we do a brand new show for, because audiences come back year after year because yeah. they, they like our story. They like us and, you know, it's yep. a great show. So, yeah, every year come January, I better have half an hour of new killer theater quality comedy that's in the hopper and ready to go because uh, They're coming I'm going to gonna be it. disappointing not only the audience, but my fellow comics that I'm touring with. Like, yeah. They'll be pissed at me if like I don't. So for five years now, it's been like, oh, it's it's on. Like, I really have to, you know, come May, June, it's sunny out. I don't want to go to some stinky comedy club and try five new minutes of material, but I have to. Like, I've got to do it, right? Yeah. Sit down and pen and paper and, and write it out and but that's jump on great. stage and try. Yeah, it's, it's what we have to do. Yeah. And there's no better reward than 21 years in, I am still get a charge out of trying a new joke on stage and gets it like a, an applause break. Oh, forget it. That's, Crazy. There's nothing better. Yeah, I was telling someone that too. One of the younger comics once I said, like, when you do stuff that you know works and it gets a laugh, it still feels good, obviously. But when you have a new thought, a new idea, and you spend some time with it, and you go up and you deliver it, and it, and it does well, like that, you're right. I think it just it it validates why you started this, right? Like, man, I, I still can do this. I can yeah. still generate material. I'm not my material. Like, I can create other material. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a security blanket you got to hold on to till you die. It's That's like, so no, weird. there's new shit coming down the yeah. pipe, right? How long have you been doing comedy now? So this will be year 14. 14. I think, yeah. Do you think, I'm, I'm asking for myself, but do you think you're a better comic today than you were even five years ago? Like, like, I think so. Yeah. Do you think the material that you're churning out is is sharper, is better, is is more in your voice than it was five years ago? I think so. Interesting. Yeah. 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 But I do have these moments where I go, man, this is a great, this is a great road to go down because... I think about when I first started and that hunger and that drive and doing really well in comedy clubs and how loud that was. I think, did I, was it just so new to me that I was like, this is insane. Whereas now I go, I don't think it's quite that like it used to be, but it's like, because my, have my standards changed? Have my ears changed in terms of what 
is doing well now and what is not. Do you know what I mean? Like I do. Your barometer changes almost. And I'm like, the joke that I thought killed 10 years ago, if I went back to that guy and watched it, would I go, no, you didn't kill it all, dude. It went okay, yeah. but that's not killing. Do you know what I mean? That's great. So I always I always think about that. I don't know if you go down I that do, road. I do. I have, I have those moments all the time because, you know, I got a lot of accolades five years ago, seven years ago, like uh, yeah. trophies and contests, and, yeah. you know, and, and then the material that I'm writing today, I'm like, oh, this is way better than what, like this is more in the, it's smarter, sharper. It's more of my voice than it was. Right. You know, not to say it take anything away from that guy that was doing comedy five years ago. No, no. It, I watched those sets and I'm like, that was great. But it's a time capsule. It's just like there it's yeah. done. It's on an album now. Yeah. And now this is the material that I'm doing. This is who I am on stage. And yeah, I would agree. I think like it's like a band, right? An album captures a moment of your life and what you're into musically and what you're going through. You do what you put it out in the world. And then you move on, you evolve and you've grown. You had different life experiences and you, you have more knowledge and all those things. So I always, as a result of this, I always feel like my best stuff's still ahead of me. I always feel like my comedy next year is going to be better. My material, I'm a, I'm a moment away from finding a joke that's going to unlock 15, 20 brand new minutes. And it's going to be like, man, this is, I'm so happy with this. Uh, So that's kind of how I approach it. That's great. That's really great. Cause 'Cause uh, punk bands do this all the time. Like they, they tour their new album. Right, like this is this is the new album, guys. Here it is, top to bottom. We're gonna play the whole album, and then that's it. You mm. know, I saw the Melvins here in Calgary uh, last 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 summer, I guess. Yep. And um, you know, I I'm a fan. I'm a casual fan of them. They've put out twenty something albums, but I, I I'm familiar with like three of them. Right. And I was like, oh, I hope they play. You know, such and such. And then watching the whole, like it was just the new album and maybe a couple tracks from the previous album. Right. But none of the hits, kind of thing. Like none of the, yeah. you know, just. And that's, that's just punk rock. Like they're just like, no, that's who we were then. This is who we are now. Like, yeah. If you wanted to hear those songs, you should have come out and seen us in 1999 when we were released yeah. those. There's people. I have the same thing. Like with with people come up and say, "How come you didn't do the Canada Goose tonight? Hey, right. how come you didn't do Arnold Schwarzenegger tonight? How come you didn't do the the Catholic Church? How come you you know my hits kind of thing? You yeah. know, like well, because I've done it. Like yeah. I've seen it. Like if you want to see it again, just get the album like it's it's yeah. done kind of thing it's weird hey though and I, can't, I can't say that to people though i say no. well you know i had to make room for the new stuff and yeah yeah and they're all like oh i love the new stuff it's great i'm like oh good yeah thanks. Yeah, no you're right though because you have those people who get disappointed you didn't do the classics and then you're like yeah but then if you did do them someone will go well i heard a bunch yeah, of that before so you can't win right quite often uh chris rock said that years ago like you can tour a theater uh do a theater run and just destroy with your best material. And then you go back, you know, a year and a half, two years later. And even if you repeat some of those jokes or whatever, you'll kill. People will love it. There'll be accolades all, but you'll never do a third tour because those people won't come back the third time. Yeah. Because you got to come back with a new show every do stuff. time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. There's a real pressure. And I think that's changed too, like over the course of, say, the last 10, 15, 20 years. It's like, you know, comedians now, I think there is far more pressure to, to evolve. And like when all these comedians are pumping out new hours every year and new specials, were you on that debate? A lot of people think that that hasn't really helped comedy in a lot of ways in terms of bits don't have time enough to kind of marinate and, I and completely season. I agree with that. Um, and so instead of pushing for the hour, maybe half an hour would be yeah. better, 20 minutes, you know, and go, that's, now that's hot and cooking. It, I mean, this is, uh, these are champagne problems that are beyond <laughs> our her level of show business but like when you get to the, you know like the amy schumer level of comedy like 
she's got she's an in industry now like she's surrounded by the 15 percenters that are just like no no we're gonna do another special this year kind of thing and she's like i'm not ready like yep. if you watch that leather special and i love amy schumer i think she's great but a lot of those jokes aren't ready for tv like they just right they, it was a lot of like this is a great premise but it didn't go anywhere kind of thing you know it uh and that's my critique i'm sure people are gonna be mad at me for that but uh yeah, but if she had spent another year working on that, it right. could have been, you know, just just destroyed, you know? Yeah. But that's not the way show business is at that level. It's just keep doing Write another book. Get another screenplay done. Do another movie. We're going to yep. do a tour. We're going to do that special. Then we're going to do Letterman. We're going to come. Letterman, looks at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just dating yourself yeah, like, exactly, oh, that's, exactly. you're good. <laughs> I just watched his... You're going to uh, Sullivan? You're going to do... Uh... <laughs> Open mic with Mike Muller just clamping at the bit here. But you I just watched Letterman's uh, Netflix uh, thing with Jay Z last night. Oh man, I haven't it watched was it so yet. So great. So I watched the I first that half. Guy so much. Oh, dude, dude, did you see when he had Paris Hilton on there and she just got out of jail and he, yeah. he wouldn't let her off the hook? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, that's, that's so why comics love yeah, Dave Letterman. Absolutely. You're not going to come here and dictate what I'm going to talk about on, on my Jimmy, show. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon would just be like, so Paris is an interesting name, right? That's so interesting. Well, <laughs> we love like you too, was... Paris. You've been amazing. Like, it's just like, <laughs> no, you were in been to jail. prison. <laughs> that's what everyone wants to talk about. <laughs> yeah, Letterman didn't uh, care. I'm here to talk about my perfume, actually, Dave. No, I don't really care. No, uh, want, everyone wants to know. What, did you shower? Did you shower in prison? That's what so, he wants to know. Someone yells there from the audience. We love you, Paris. And she goes, I love you, too. And Dave goes, that's someone you met in prison? Like, he just kept bringing it back. <laughs> he would I not let her that. get away. Yeah, that's so great. Oh, I loved it so much. It was yeah. great. It was so amazing. But Irreverent think, is the word, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he would just, like, hold people to the, you know, just. I'm not here he to would sniff ass. right through the facade. Yeah. Well, and he had the other guy. Who was that guy from one of those dumb reality shows? Uh, um him and the girl, they were one of those power couples or whatever, and he used to get paid. He told Dave he used to get paid to go to clubs. He goes, they would pay me to go to a nightclub right. and hang out. And Dave just cracks up laughing, like, sincerely, and goes, no one's paying you to go to a comedy club. Come on. Like, he just could not even <laughs> digest it. Like, he's Love. like, no, I do, Dave. I make a lot of money. You pay me. Like, he was trying to be well, totally, yeah, like, on the shit. And uh, Dave was like, David not on my show, man. It's not happening. <laughs> but uh, I think you're right, man. I think there is that pressure. Before, back in the day, you could have taken your time and went at your own pace. But now there's this pressure of you're hot right now. We got to get you on everything. everything. We need the book deal. We yeah. need to have the movie, the yeah. sitcom. Another special's got to come out. And the sad thing about it is now that's out in the ether forever. Yep. And it could be the thing that actually causes your momentum to dip somewhat, where it's like, mm, that wasn't great. And now, you know what I mean? If, yep. it's, if it's rushed. It's kind of uh, premature. I think. I think. Not to harp on poor Amy Schumer, but like that special was so disappointing to so many people. Like you know, it. Uh, I think. I think it hurt her in the stand-up world for sure. You know, right. like uh, you know, she's got to really bounce back and come back with an amazing special. She's got every opportunity on the planet, though. No it doesn't. It's not going to hurt her in the long run at all. But, but. Um, yeah, she really has to uh, step to the plate next time for sure. Well, that's the beauty of it too. I think when you're at that level, because you, finance, financially, you can you have the freedom to do what you want. You could sit back for a year and just go, man, I'm just literally gonna just work out right. this material, hit the road, do some shows. You also have to like watch who you're bringing into your circle. Like if you're just surrounded by the people that are like, oh, I got you another opportunity. Right. It's like, I got no time for this. Well, yeah, we're gonna wedge it in there. Yeah, and then you can do a half-ass job. Multitasking is a is a thing that we were talking about a few years ago when I was working on the the Ron James show. It's they say that if you're multitasking, you're doing everything kind of half ass, right? You know, you got to dedicate 
X amount of time to do that and X amount of time to do the next thing and X amount of time to do the third thing. But yep. if you try to do keep five, you know, pokers in five different fires, it's going to be all half. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I find that as a comedian, like because our time is our own for the most part, like it's like I've, I, and I said this before, I feel like sometimes like this drowning sensation because there's so many possibilities to to, to write new stand up, to try and book shows and book tours to I want to write a book to um, you want to go on this audition for something like it's almost like the canvas is so wide. You have to narrow your focus just so you can yeah. focus your energy in one direction. Otherwise, you just go, oh, God, I, I want to do all this stuff. And you feel like you're overwhelmed. It's like books falling on top of you in a library. Like, you're just like, too much, too much. I you know? completely get, do you have that, uh, like, because I, when I feel like I get overwhelmed with too many things to do, I literally do zero of them. Like, yeah. I just go, I'm not doing anything then. I'm just going to walk. Paralysis. You know, like, if I, yeah, just, I, I can't. I can't fathom doing all of this at the same time, so I'm just not going to do any of them. Yeah, I get like that. And I'm like, wow, now I'm even more depressed because I didn't do anything <laughs> yeah. last week. And I'm yeah. like, remember you had all that shit to do? What did you do? Yeah. Nothing. Zero. Okay, good okay. job. Good. You know? awesome. And that's where that discipline comes in, and it's hard. Uh, but I found I work harder now than I've ever worked. Like now I'm not in an office from you know 9 to 5 every morning, but I feel like in terms of productivity, in terms of – what I have to do every day or every week or what I want to do. I think I'm, f I'm far more driven to do it now than I was, say, five years ago, seven years ago as a comedian. Right. It was like, well, I'll sit around all day. When an idea comes, an idea comes. Yeah. There wasn't a sense of urgency to like, no, you got to get off your ass every day and go generate something. Um, do you think your work ethic has evolved like over time where you feel that sense now of the, the, obviously the tour has helped with that kind of generating mm -hmm. material all the time? Um, but is it something that kind of comes with age and being in the business for quite a while? Although some people don't develop that over the course of, you know, 15, 20, 30 years in the business of trying to generate new material. They're like, yeah, here comes a John Cretchen joke. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know I've seen what those I mean? guys. So yeah, it's called yuck yucks. Uh, <laughs> hey, <you laughs> dig there. but Ooh. yuck yucks does breed that though. Like, cause comics can write their hour headlining set or 45 minute headlining set and tour with that for 20 years. Right. And yuck yucks won't care. Like they just don't care. Right. And it's not like audiences are going back to see them year after year. They're going to see Yuck Yucks because, they're, you know, they're going to see, oh, the Yuck Yucks are here. I'm going to go see the Yuck Yucks because it's my right. friend's birthday and we're going to. Exactly. You know, and then they can get away with doing their Jean Chrétien impression from, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, what happened to me in recent years is that I moved here to Calgary. Like, right. I took myself out of that rat race of Toronto. Like, uh, oh, boy, this is a whole acorn I'm opening up here. But it's. um. Toronto is is expensive and uh you know you got to fight you got to get on stage all the time and you got to get those you know um but it just taking myself out of that that rat race of Toronto and coming to Calgary allowed me to just focus on stand up right. like just be a stand up comedian after that was 20 years in I was like what's the thing that makes me the happiest is stand up comedy not not auditioning for commercials not writing for tv shows that i don't watch you right, know right like, yeah 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 like it was it was stand-up was the most rewarding so when it all hit the fan in toronto i was like well yeah i love calgary let's and i love the calgary comedy scene here like i'm gonna give this a shot so it's been a year now crazy and i've just been generating the best stand-up that i've been generating in my career i think and and I guess, like you said, further that point of the focus, the ability to not have five pots on the stove to just go, I'm just cooking this one. That's it. This is just stand up. Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, man. It's 
it is hard because you can feel overwhelmed. And what I loved about because I started stand up here, right? I moved from Newfoundland, and my first time on stage was here at the shop. Yeah, you mentioned was, that the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cool. it was it's it's surreal, and it's like, but the community here was so welcoming. Right out the gate, mm-hmm. you're the new guy. People are like, "Hey, man, welcome." Uh, headliners were super cool, like local people. Um, comedy was booming then. Like comedy clubs were sold out. Two thousand seven. This would have been oh three, oh four, oh four. So. You know, Tuesday night at at the comedy club, like three hundred and twenty people in a yeah. room, and I'm like, "This is stand up comedy right. everywhere." That's what I thought. Yeah. But the community here, because I was so fragile, had no confidence. I'm just trying to learn my craft. You know what it's like. You you're like, man, I don't know if the lights are bright, and how do I get the mic? No, I never the- had that. <laughs> no, I was always great. I had no. my retinas prepared before I ever went on stage. I don't know what you're talking about, Trent. No, nope. just uh, my, the lighting in my bedroom was the same. <laughs> standing ovation, first time I walked on stage. <laughs> Hello, everyone just stood up right away. He's a legend. Uh, but I think that if I had been in a more competitive environment, maybe like Toronto or somewhere else. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I know me at that time. I would have been a guy who would have faded away in the corner if a set didn't go well and I heard comics talking about I would have been done. I would have walked out the door. Yeah. So I, I'm grateful that I started in Yeah, Goddard. you chose the right city to start in. Yeah. Right. And it was and and you know, now there's so many great rooms and, and the other thing I tell people about Calgary is these other these rooms for the most part, like there's paying customers. It's not just a room of bitter comics in the back going, yeah. Oh, he gets spot and I don't That's what the Toronto the comedy scene right now. Okay. Like it's just terrible. You know, it's it's you can get a real feedback from a joke. You can go, yeah. that audience heard that joke and it did okay. I should, I should correct what I just said. There's a lot of rooms in Toronto that are like that. <laughs> oh no. Not all rooms. When we in do Toronto this in post production, like that. that part's coming out of it. <laughs> That's Pete Sedlock. That's the sound <laughs> clip that you're gonna use to promote. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's just slash got it. some ideas about the Toronto comedy scene. But I think that's, you know, and I, and I realized, again, how spoiled I was. Like, when you go to other cities on tour and you pop into an open mic, I, I'm reminded again of how great the rooms are in Calgary, yeah. where I walk in and go, oh, this is a, like an old-school open mic of, yeah. like, six people and sitting around, and the rest are all comics. Like, you walk into Comedy Monday Night, like, that's a real show. A real... You walk into Oak Tree, Jupiter Comedy, that's a real yeah, show. we're there to see comedy. Yeah, like, we've paid our money, we're quiet, we're listening, there's sound, there's lights, there's a proper stage. Like, I'm like, if people blow it off after, like, I hate this. I, like, I hate when comics are like, yeah, yeah, well, whatever, man, it was whatever. It's like, man, like, what do, what do you want? Like, that's a, like, maybe you can accept that maybe the joke wasn't ready or you didn't have a good performance, but, like, to blame the audience on a no. night where they're sitting, they're listening, yeah, they're, they're like, it's all there. Yeah. Here's the tools. Go make a quiche. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it's it's. Have hard you to do done it. like a, like a, a mic in Los Angeles? Have you done one of those? Yeah. Well, not not an open mic. I've played a couple of the rooms there, but yeah. I like I haven't done like uh, the Irish pub or whatever. Like I haven't done one of those. I, I did a showcase down there years ago, and my manager at the time had set up like just a couple of warm up sets around mm-hmm. L.A. And I'm like, oh, great. And uh, they weren't open mics. They were booked comedy shows. But yeah, I literally walked in. It's the back room of a restaurant kind of thing, and right. there's like a. Uh, like a milk crate kind of stage that's set up in front of the fireplace. And then 15 comics are just sitting in the, just taking turns, taking the stage and talking like there's zero audience members. Like it's just like, I remember sitting there going, what's the purpose of this? Like this is, are we just rehearsing our jokes out loud? Like, cause there's nobody laughing. There's nothing to bounce off of. It's yeah. just, you're just saying these jokes out loud. And a lot of those rooms, like in, in Toronto, like the, like there's there's rooms that are just comics that are waiting to take the stage, so you're working on your material and it's getting not the pop that comics right. aren't going to laugh at comedy. Like no. they're going to laugh at when something fucks up on stage yeah. or if you like you're a shocking comic or something. You know, like so then you find yourself 
like doing a punchline that work in the back of the room and you walk off stage going like, well, I did a disservice to my standup. Like I'm, I actually learned less by yeah. taking that stage. I'm worse now. Worse. Than when I'm wa- worse off than when I walk in here. So <laughs> I'm a month behind. <laughs> no, I know, man. And, and I think you're right. The beauty of uh, the Calgary scene is that, is that we just don't have fun. that in Calgary. Like there's, you know, like even Vern's like Vern's on a, on a Tuesday night. There's, you know, there's 10 comics waiting to go on stage, but there's 10 audience members that are also there as well. Like yeah. there's, it's an actual room where you can bounce new material off and see if it, if it flies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So overall your move from Toronto to Calgary, like how are you enjoying the time here? Like what, what's been your, what's been the overall vibe of it? Overall vibe is just, I breathe better. Like it's just like uh, in a physical and metaphor and you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, literal way. I, um, uh, like I just don't have that pathological urge to earn money all the time. Like in Toronto yeah. is just it's so expensive and it's just like cost of living is just insane, right? Yeah. So I moved out here and everything just kind of oh hey ooh I also got rid of a crazy wife that you know ah, so that there it is that now. got rid of that yeah yeah so that's... all of a sudden that oh I got a little more wiggle room in my budget now yeah, this is yeah, nice yeah. yeah um so I came out here and just living lean. Not lean, but just like, um, you know, not extravagant. Yeah. You know, and um, just being creative, like just, get, you know, doing my thing six days a week, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Five days a week, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But still, there's lots of opportunity to get up. And it's a good point you brought that up, too, because my wife and I were talking about this the other day about like this, this, a lot of us, especially in Western culture, like North America, Canada, US, it's like, this ability to always accumulate stuff and you have to buy things and yeah. you have to go on that trip and you have to do whatever. And that becomes a rat race too of like keeping up with the Joneses. It's subconscious, but it's, it's always there as opposed to min- minimizing and going, okay, well, what do I really need? And I right. think as comics, because we travel so much, I've learned that I don't need a lot. Like I, you give me a suitcase and my laptop and phone, I'm good, man. You can I, stick me in a corner. I got I, some uh, real high-end kind of expensive tastes on things, mm-hmm. like a bed. Like I really need. I have an expensive bed. Yeah. I love it. But you need you to know? rest properly. You're right. Yeah. I got a very expensive couch. Yeah, that's amazing, right? <laughs> and uh, I got a kick-ass suitcase. Yeah. Um, I've got a uh, electric toothbrush. Yeah. You know things that are like, oh, these are kind of like the spoils of like you know hard work kind of thing. And I got a kick-ass truck, you know, like like the things that I need kind of thing. And other than that, travel. That's all I do is just travel. Like just if I have disposable income, I'm going to take a vacation. That's the way I am. You know? The experience of traveling to me is always invaluable. Way way more, you know, at the end of your life, you're going to look, well, hey, look, I got those fancy cufflinks like no, nobody you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? right. like, on your deathbed gonna... i could have bought those bose speakers exactly you know <laughs> but you remember that time that you were you know talking to a showgirl in vegas and, and you played <laughs> poker and you know it was way right. way more that's right that lasts you with you that stays with you a lifetime you were one of the first guys too i think like when we when i remember you and i did a show or two together and being on the road because i was so new and i was so nervous about performing that night the day of a show, I did nothing. Like, I was like, just sit in the hotel room and just just be ready. You know what I mean? Just uh, go over my set list over yeah. and over again. And you were one of the first guys I remember. Like, you wrote Living Life. You are like, hey, man, I'm going to go to this thing or go check out that or go down to the whatever. And I'm like, what's he? There's a show at 8 o'clock. What if he, what if he can't get back? Or what if, what if he rolls his ankle? Or, yeah. Like, I just, I never had that ability to go on the road. And I learned to do it later, obviously. But 
to go out and just like, dude, you're, you're in some of the most beautiful places in the world. Go out yeah. and experience it. And I feel now like I lost a lot of opportunities where I went to places and I didn't go out right. and go to the great restaurant or go to the thing or whatever because I was so 8 o'clock, man, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock. You know, like, so when I see that in other comics now, I'm like, dude, you got to you gotta relax, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is, the show is in uh, 14 hours. <laughs> it's like, yeah. mom's spaghetti and it's like Eminem. And it's like, dude, <laughs> that's up. in 14 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going you're gonna to burn out before you get to the plate, <laughs> You're going to pass out right. any minute. Well, there, there's a balance to that. Like, um... I still get that nervous energy before a show, like especially if I got like a very high end, high end corporate event where they're paying me a lot of money. Yeah, like I just get like, oh, get in the mindset kind of thing and just spend a good couple hours before the show going over my notes, you know, distract myself a little bit, go back to the notes, you know, yep, iron my shirt, go back to the notes, you know, this whole prep before the show. Um, but and then the opposite end of that, like th- I spend a lot of time on the road too, just partying like just it was a like i was a young man in my 20s and early 30s just like whoo let's whoop it up you know like every night was a didn't matter if it was a tuesday night we're gonna party you know like yeah. so wednesday mornings like i wouldn't i wouldn't go and explore the town because i'd be hung over until it was time to check out of the hotel and right. check out of the hotel hop in the truck and then you're gone again kind of thing and it wasn't until like you know i got into my 40s and stopped drinking that i was like Oh hey, there's a museums here in Vancouver I should check out and yeah, like now going out and exploring all these towns for the first time and my and going like oh my god I missed out on so much here like this is like getting to explore the country all over again is is also unique very rewarding <laughs> sure but also too the beauty of that is you're right you're providing balance in your life but quite often. A piece is going to come out of it. A bit of material is going to come out yeah. of it. You're like, yeah, I was down at the museum today or whatever. Like, that'll spark something. Yeah. So it actually serves you in a number of ways, you know, I find. Perfect example. I, I was in uh, Vancouver last year. We went to the uh, Vancouver Art Gallery. And you pay, and then they stamp your hand with the initials of the Vancouver Art Gallery. So I went and told that on stage. And I was like, so I had badge on my hand for the second <laughs> time that day. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Just a little throwaway That's line, great. but that, that, yeah. like, that happened that day. Yeah. It was, uh, and audiences love that, of course, because you've endeared yourself to that city. Local, like, local yeah, material. He, he knows us. Oh, yeah. my God. This that is, is true. That happened mm-hmm. to me, too. And, and, and you're right, man. It provides that little bit of, uh, that little bit of familiarity for them, too. Like, you, you are one of us in some way. Like, you've, you've been adopted by them in, in that moment. Um, but I remember seeing that and then watching other comics when I opened for them on the road. And I was like, man, these people are living their lives. And I realized... And I spent a lot of time just being in hotel rooms, mm-hmm. stressing out about a show that I had. At the end of the day, I'm going to deliver it the way I'm going to deliver it, and it's going to work or not. <laughs> so stressing about the outcome of it is like, what was the it's point? useless, yeah. Meanwhile, outside is like a beautiful harbor with a boardwalk around it, and I'm just closing but the I, blinds. I, so I, <laughs> I get it, man. Like, you, you take your craft seriously. Like, you know, like a lot of guys that aren't successful in comedy would just be like, well, whatever, I'm going to go on and try my thing and yeah. not give a rat's ass kind of thing. And, and of course, they don't do well. And of course, you can go to the other route with it, whereas I'm going to go explore the town, and by explore the town, I mean hit a pub at around yeah. noon and get absolutely annihilated right. by 8 o'clock. <laughs> just like, he, get him some more coffee. He's not going to be able to do the show. Like, Never so. done that. I've been drunk on stage twice in my life. And, yeah. And uh, the second time I was drunk on stage, well, that's not true. Probably drunk, but like at a open mic kind of thing like, yeah you know and by drunk probably like three beers in right but uh two times i was <laughs> intoxicated on stage <laughs> and uh the only reason was because the headliner was fired and then they asked me to step in to, okay. he- to headline and i said so 
how much am I getting paid? And they said, well, we're just going to, what, what do you want? I was like, well, I want to get paid for this. And they, well, we, we, we can't, we don't have the money. And I said, well, give me a bar tab at least. Oh, and they went, God. okay, sure, bar tab. And so just immediately, bang, just trying to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I'm drunk on stage. And the, I remember the, the manager saying, like, uh, uh, just between you and me, Pete, like, you really can't do that again. Like, you can't, you can't be that drunk on stage. I was like, oh, and I remember being so embarrassed. And then at the same time, I was like, but I got a bar tab. Like, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got paid here tonight. Comedy, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, you're right. But I, that was the last time. That was, that's when I always said, like, not, never be part of the party, but don't be drunk on stage. Like, you're still a performer. You still have to, yep. there's still a show that you, show business. Yeah. So. And it's all coming from you. Like, you got to generate this stuff. Like, for everyone else sitting in the audience, they're like, no, we're here to enjoy what you're doing. But if you're messed up to the point that you can't generate what it is you're, they're there to see, then everyone loses, You ever right? seen a drunk comic on stage? Oh, yeah. It's embarrassing. It's bad. Like, it's really embarrassing. But here's the thing. A lot of comics start off that way, doing it, and it's never, ever reprimanded. Like, it's, it's like, well, yuck, he's booked yucks. again next year. Yuck, he's coming back. It's, it's like, yuck, is that 17 pint glasses on the, yeah. on the thing? It's yeah. like... It's like, eh, I don't know if that's a good thing. And, of course, you needed 12 beers last year. This year, to get to that same point, oh you God, need 16. Yeah. And so it doesn't end well. It never, ever yeah. ends well unless someone can grab the reins and go, whoa, I got a problem. I got to yeah. step step aside here. But that always concerns me when I see young guys starting out. And it's like you see him slamming the beers before showtime. It's like that's not going to end well. Yeah, that's right. You know, and yeah. if you're that nervous that you need to drink that much to get up there, then you got to go take some time with yourself and kind of figure out why you're doing this in the first <laughs> place. Right. But. I think I was that way too at first. I was drinking way well, too much. Well, we got paid in booze. Like, yeah. That's how you got paid as it, when you first started out. Like, Free booze and I think I think back to that like that first kind of spot I did at Spirits in Toronto. I got paid beer tickets. I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I'm an amateur comic. Like I was literally just trying 5 minutes of what I thought was comedy. Yeah. And I got paid in beer. This is the best. Like I if know. I didn't get those beer tickets, I don't know if I would have continued doing comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That was the hook, right? <laughs> yeah. But it also, you know, like they had a couple of beers. Then you watched, you know, my soon-to-be friends that were trying comedy too. And then we'd all hang out afterwards and say like, hey, what about this joke that you tried? Why don't you try that at the end and call this back? And then what about this punchline? Oh, that's great. And then we, yeah, it was a collaborative. Like we were all helping each other out back in those days. Yeah. I don't see that with a lot of young comics these days. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I started the same way myself, Chris Gordon, Dom Wood, um, Eamon Darnell, a bunch of us. We would do that. We'd go and meet up somewhere, a few beers, but we'd sit there with our premises and ideas and help each other out. And it was great because then when you went to the shows later that night or that week, you were invested in each other's sets. Oh, yeah. It was like, you know, I wonder if he's going to say that line that we talked about today. And then, bam, they do it in a crush. And you felt good because sure. you're like, we, I was in on that with you. <laughs> when you. So we're really helping each other. And I think you're right. I don't see comics today doing it no. as much. It seems like, no, it's got to come from me. It's right. almost, you know, really because they wanted to make it personal. And I don't like, see a lot of young comics coming out and seeing comedy either. Like, they just, they'll do their spot and then, then hit the road. Yeah, I know. Like, when I first started... I, can't, I hate starting conversations like this. When I was a young comic, <laughs> he's like, stroke my long gray beard. <laughs> but uh, like those, the Toronto Yuck Yucks, like every Friday, Saturday night, the back of the room would just be comics. Like we all went to go see Derek Edwards and Mike Wilmont and, and you know, Harlan Williams and Jeremy Hotz and yep. like just watch these masters and, you know, and the club would be packed of like 400 people. It was fun, you know? Yeah. It was a community, right? It, it was, was like, really. Like, I just I'm, don't see that anymore. Like even this past week that I was headlining the the shop, like you came by, had yep. a couple of you know 
pro comics stop by that work on their craft. Yeah. But, you know, like the whole Calgary comedy scene, I'm like, that's interesting that nobody stopped by to, I to think, take it in. I think there's an era, uh, a time now, too, of, of maybe it's a bigger comment on society, perhaps. I don't know. But of, well, unless I'm on the show or unless I'm paid to be there. Whereas, like, when we started, it was like, I, I couldn't wait to get to the club on a Friday because I'm like, maybe I'll get a guest spot. And if not, well, okay, I'll hang out and watch. And all of us were there. Yeah. But there was that sense of, I'm going to be better for having been there. Whatever it is, whether I get Always. on or just sit in the back of the room and watching someone and their mic technique or what they did or didn't do, I knew I'd be better when I yeah. left. I knew it wasn't going to be better if I sat on the couch home. I Absolutely. knew that. so true. So, but I don't know if that's still, I think you're right. I don't know if that's still there anymore. Yeah. I, I think uh, young comics are doing a big disservice to themselves if just by doing a spot and then going home again. Like, you know, I, I think they're wasting their time. Like you yeah. really have to be immersed in the, in the scene. Yeah. I remember when I graduated theater school, my, uh, the artistic director of the school was like, go out and see theater, go see bad theater, go see good theater because you'll learn just as much from bad theater as you would from, yep. from good theater. And that always stuck in my head because like I'll watch comics go up there and shit the bed and then like learn so much to yeah. be like, oh, yeah, like <clears throat> that's what you don't do. And like, oh, I saw what they were trying to do there, but what they have to do is this. And, yeah, you're better for it. Like yeah. you, you learn from their mistakes, too. Like that's what I've always thought about. Like you're watching a simulator and the simulator is like, <laughs> whoa, left turn there. I wouldn't have went there. And then you but that's keeping your mind sharp, too, for when you're yeah. next up. Like that's in your Rolodex of experience. Got to be immersed in it. I, I really believe that. You I know, totally like, agree. You, you know, I, I'm more creative. I'm more uh, passionate about the the craft, being amongst it. Yeah. Like comedy Monday night. Go to Vern's. Go to Oak Tree. Go to Juliet's. Go to you know the club on the weekend. Like seeing comics. Yeah. Well, bad head bad headliners are fascinating to watch to me. Like yeah, just yeah. like what what. what? <laughs> it's, What's that? It's, but also, have you done this where you've you just sat in a crowd? Like I've done it where. I'm just sitting down wherever it is and I'm not in the back of the room as a comic. I'm just sitting, but just to kind of observe the audience yeah. and be like, how are they laughing? And that girl kind of laughed, but didn't fully laugh. And then she looked at her husband and he kind of laughed. And then they laugh like all these things that yeah. I forgot what it's like to be an audience member. And I'm like, Oh, that made it really tense for a second. And like, you need that the tension need- release. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating to sit in the audience and be part of a, a comedy audience nowadays. Uh, Damon Schritter was in town last year, and uh, we went down to see my buddy Damon. And uh, and Scott, of course, at Yucks was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I can't give you a spot tonight. I'm like, no, it's fine. I just came down to see Damon. Yeah. And then literally got seated in the audience. Right. I've never been seated in the audience <laughs> in years and years and years. Yeah. Sat there and watched the com- comedy show. I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. Like, yeah. what we do is pretty damn cool. Like, yeah. elicit huge belly laughs from people. It's, it's insane. It's a remarkable thing we do. Yeah, it is. It Not is. to toot our own horn, but it's it's pretty damn cool. You it know? is surreal, man. I, I, I'm reminded of that all the time, but I think you're right. Yeah, going in the audience again, too, is a good reminder. And I went, uh, Bill Burr played here maybe a year or two back at Great Eagle Casino. I remember going to watch that, like, as a paying customer and leaving going, a, I'm better because you're just watching one of the greats. Oh, I thought you meant I'm better than Bill Burr. I thought you were leaving that <laughs> no, going, wow. No. Cocky. Yeah, I think you we know, all I'm know. better than him. I'm, uh, I'm I checked that off my list. Uh, 
but like again, you're you're just better for having been in the room. Yeah, I get it. But also being a part of that audience, you're, and you're watching. You know, I'm listening to people's comments or whatever, and what they repeat, like, like, oh, oh. my god, he said it. You know, like what resonates with people. Right. Sometimes you need that again as a comic to kind of get back in amongst normal people and go, Absolutely. what are people talking about, and yeah. what resonates, and what made it weird. And I'm like, I need to be out to more. And I also found the same thing. I mean, I know you're a big music fan. I love going to concerts just in general and that energy like from a from a band to me I'm like this is you can't find this anywhere no. else you know I'm a, I'm better for having been here too like there's something in that performance that I can use some way oh, shape yeah. or form you know I uh, yeah I, I often think of myself, I'm like, I should have been a musician, but I just don't have musical talents at all. Like, right. I just, I'm fascinated by music. My ear is drawn to, like, all kinds of different genres. Like, even if it's terrible music, I still listen to, like, oh, that's kind of a neat yeah. hook they got here in the middle kind of thing. And and then I go, I see, I don't know, a dozen concerts throughout the year. Like, I, I'm a huge music fan. Yep. Like, everything in me should be, why aren't you pursuing music? Because I'm a comedian. That's what, that's the thing. <laughs> that's right. But, yeah. But music is just my my passion kind of thing. Like my, I'm the my, same way. Dude. Yeah. It's funny you said that. Like I I bought a guitar last year. Yeah, can't play enough. Right. My wife bought me a guitar lessons, so I, I think I have to literally go next week for my first guitar. Oh, lesson. cool! So I've always wanted to play. Well, let's start a band. Let's there do we it. Go. We'll call ourselves. Uh, we're brand. New, we're called brand new, and uh, we don't remember all of our songs, but we uh, we strum horribly. We're gonna play some scales. You know what? We're gonna do some comedy. That's let's, a, that's uh, our band. It's called Scales. Called we just scales. You play guitar. I'll play bass. And we'll just do scales. We're called Soundcheck, and we're playing uh, the Gray Eagler next week. But it's funny because people there is a better than Bill Burr. That's our. <laughs> That's our band's name. <laughs> there is a sound bite. Did you hear what McClellan said? <laughs> um, but there is a musicality and, and rhythm to stand up. Like I know, I remember Mike McDonald, the late great Mike McDonald, talking about. Oh, that's so hard to even hear that. Late, I know. Great Isn't Mike that horrible? Just horrible. But that that ability to listen uh, for pauses, yeah. for timing of a piece, and he was a bit of a drummer. A lot of comedians. Bill have Burr a is a drummer. Yeah. Right. So there is that musicality to it and a rhythm of things. Like I've caught myself on stage going too fast or. Yeah. Uh, too slow or whatever so there is a there is a metronome that i think we have internalized that's like a rhythm of how you know you know your jokes and how the speed at which they're supposed to be delivered where the pauses are so i think i think there is that crossover with music in a lot of ways that, it's yeah it's i've heard that comparison a lot like uh, a good joke is a song like it's a it's yep. music right it's you know, you do, you perform it wrong and the song doesn't work. Yeah, you know, it's true. It's the same thing. And someone else taking the exact same words would do them in a totally different way. There was a great clip of uh, Patton Oswalt's got a a chunk about uh, the KFC bowls. Remember the? Yeah, they used to have these bowls, as, <laughs> and he had this amazing, beautiful chunk of like this failure bowl inside of a sadness thing or whatever. It was, it was this amazing chunk of comedy, and then this kid stole it, and then um, it was a clip of him performing it on youtube at some kind of open mic or whatever and then of course it blew up because Patton was like hey that's my joke kid <laughs> word for word your your, your <laughs> career's over before it started kind of thing but it was fascinating because that joke is so brilliant and so funny when Patton delivered it and then when this kid tried to verbatim just it didn't deliver like it was not a funny joke no it's funny and it's a messenger too right like you know you look at the speed and all those things but obviously like some people can just, you look at them and you go, yeah, you're allowed to talk about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember years ago when I first started, I had some joke about something about U.S. politics. And one of the club managers goes, yeah, I think you're a little too young to be commenting on uh, U.S. politics. And I, I didn't agree with them. Right. But I learned from that perspective of like, okay, audiences will look at someone and size them up and kind of subconsciously go like, 
yeah, you, you get to talk about sex, but this young kid, we don't want to hear him talking about mm-hmm. having sex with us. Do you know what I mean? Like almost yep. like they permit permission to certain people based on their looks and the tone of their voice and sure. cadence. Uh, so that was interesting. And I, I avoided a lot of those, uh, those same kind of topics for years, like politics and I'm, like now I'm talking about white supremacy on stage. Like yeah. I'm the guy that does the Canada goose joke on stage. <laughs> like how, what do you think? <laughs> but it's like, oh, it wow, resonates with me. It's, it's, it's funny and it's topical. It's important. It's what's going on in the ether of what yeah. we are as humans. It's uh, I'm, I'm proud of that joke, you know, like, yeah. But it took a lot of time before I was able to get to the place where I'm like, oh, I don't have to be this character that other people think that I'm supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Like, I can I can be silly, but I can be smart. I can also be political. I can also do impressions. I can also do, you know, dark jokes. I can also do alternative material, whatever that means. You know, like, I never tied myself down. But yeah. it wasn't until recent years where I went, oh, I'm going to try this out because this is what strikes me as funny yeah i think that's a good point too because i i felt that the same way where i go i've given myself permission to go down roads i wouldn't have given myself permission five years ago okay and that's where you can measure growth where you go man that uh, like whether the joke crushes or destroys or not it's like hey man like i've i've created comedy out of a topic that i wouldn't have hit with yeah. a 10-foot pole tip five right. years ago right like because you've you got more confidence you have more knowledge you know your craft more um, cause I never understood that topic before where people say like, yeah, that premise or joke is really good, but you're not ready to deliver it. Have you ever heard someone say that? I, I don't think I've had that directly <clears throat> to me, but I, I, I do know what that, yeah. that premise is. Yeah. That. And I did, was like, what was he talking about? Like, I thought yeah, of yeah. it, I can say it. It's like, now I understand. It's like, no, you, you don't have the tools in your locker yet to discuss yeah. something as, um, controversial or as that right. is, or, or as edgy as that is. And that's, it's funny. Cause when you, you can spot somebody who's stolen a joke, yeah. <laughs> Because they like they're all of a sudden saying something that's so outside of their realm of you know they're on stage talking about lighting farts on fire. Next thing you know, they're talking about you know the yeah. trade uh, agreements that are going. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> like no, you didn't write that joke. One of those two things you you're not did not write that. I can <laughs> clearly see. Yeah, that's true. Huh. Quite a leap there from uh, yeah. from uh, gas out of your ass to uh, <laughs> civil rights and equality. That that's right. You, that you chose to. Um, but you and after all these years, so how many years for you now? And twenty one. So August will be twenty two years. Crazy. Yeah. crazy. Twenty two years since the time I stepped on stage and crazy. really gave it a run. Do you ever think about the people who started roughly the same time you did? Yeah. Who had an immense amount of talent, but just who never stayed with it? Do you ever think about? Oh, those I think of the opposite. I think of the people who who have no talent that are still in it. <laughs> That are still playing the open mics and sometimes middling yuck yucks clubs once every two months. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Why? Like, why are you continuously getting up on stage and doing so mediocre 20 years in? Like, what drives you? Do you I, like, what is, you must have those, those, yeah. I go now, associates I, in our, in do you, your... but do you, do you, I, I tried to put it in this category of like, maybe they're just hobbyists. Like, like, you know how yeah, some people play that. guitar for fun. And it's like, so that's their hobby of like, I go to an open mic once every seven months and I do a thing and yeah. it makes me feel good for a while. And that's it. But, but they're go, not honest about that. Like, it's always like, it's always talking in terms of, this is what drives me crazy. Those avid hobbyists as we, as we're calling them, but they'll talk in terms of like, you know, as comedians, we like to go out on the road and it's like, no, no, I'm a comedian. <laughs> What you do is you're a hobbyist. Like, 
stop lumping yourself in. Right. Like I've had to leave conversations because I was so offended, I guess is the word. It's like yeah. these guys going, you know, you know, as comedians, you know, eh, we're a bunch of comics. That's what we do. Right. We're comics. <laughs> no, no, I'm a comedian. I literally performed in 15 different countries around the world. Every province, every territory in the country. You've done this city, yeah. and you've done all the open mics here. That's it. Yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah. Like you're not, we're not on the same level. <laughs> I think it's funny because it's like it is an easy jacket to put on in a conversation to go like, look, I got the comedy jacket on, and <laughs> it's all cool. And I can talk like this. It's like, but the optics of it look great, but to actually do the work that it takes to be a comedian is a lot of hard work yeah, and sacrifice right? and the travel and the time spent alone and whatever and relationships that have been sacrificed. Sure. Like, all that. You don't just get to go, hey, hey I'm a comedian. I'm one of these because they did the thing. It's I, like, got, mm, I signed up for an open mic and now I'm a comedian. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I want to be open to people who are, you know, coming into the craft and the community and all those things, but it's like, I was always really careful about how I spoke about what I did or whatever. I remember having... When I first started, it's like, I'm nobody. I, I just, I'm watching someone like you or someone do an hour back in the day. It was like, my God, that's a marathon. And then he travels to the next city. Like that to me was the work part of it was like, that's a grind. That's, that's, you got to put in dues to get to that point right. to just walk around and call myself a comedian. Cause I went on stage and did 10 minutes three times is like, that's, um, I don't know if that, that holds up. So that was know? a debate that was online last year, two years ago, maybe, but people were at, like, what? qualify someone to call themselves a comedian right and, and my answer was like if you earn a living that's you're a comedian right if you if you're even if you earn some money but you you have a job job like you're not a comedian like you're right. you're still an open micer you're still trying comedy you're whatever way you want to word it but you're not you're, a, trying, you're not a comedian you're trying to transition into yeah, yeah. a comedy yeah. career yeah i i think um good comedy and a good successful career in terms of like happiness and in, in the business and all those things ultimately comes from just being honest with yourself like honest with a bit or a line did it do well did it not do well where your career is where it isn't and i think one of the problems in the business right now is is that thing of people lying to themselves about a joke like i've seen comics get off stage after a set not going well and going like yeah it was great and then you're like i don't did you hear what i just heard like i don't like you know like your ears got to work. You better hear what that audience has given back to you. And you have to take that data and now do something like what did that joke crush? Great. I need to remember that. Cause I need to do whatever. Or that, that line bombed. Like I, I remember the stuff that doesn't do well now more than I do. Oh, the last. Of course. All I hear is the empty pockets. Of, well, of course, nothing. And I was trying to explain it to somebody and I don't know if they really understood what I meant, but I'm like, you need those truth bombs every day or every time up. And if you don't, if you're thinking every night, I'm, everything I say is a standing up, like, I don't think you're living in the real yeah, world, and right, it's going to yeah. be a rough road for you right? because you're never going to get what you feel you deserve and you feel hard done by by the industry. It's like yeah, you're not being honest yeah. with where you are. And that's where those avid hobbyists come in. It's like they, they have their five minutes that they do, right. and they stick to that five minutes, and they do mediocre, and then they walk off stage going, like, hey, I'm a comedian. Like You're not yeah. progressing. You're not pursuing it you're not right you're not a fucking comedian well it's funny you're yeah. not a comedian <laughs> it's just like the music thing get back that i've heard the same thing about songwriters saying about songs or albums they say that no song is ever finished it's just abandoned and i feel the same way about stand-up uh. quite often like you know you can start with an inkling and an idea for a joke and then again over a year or whatever this thing blossoms and goes down different roads and you find a new way to connect it to other bits of your act sure. like it, but eventually you just say, okay, well, that's the version. Yeah. That's it. 
but it could and keep it usually growing. ends with a uh, like a deadline like it usually ends with like oh i'm taping this for just for laughs i'm taping this for the halifax festival right you know you know that's <laughs> as good as it's going to get is that that right then that taping kind of thing and then you'll watch that performance two years later it comes on cbc and you're like oh man that joke is so much better now like yeah. it's just oh too bad yeah but you had to abandon it at it's, some point i had to put it put it on tape that's, yeah Exactly. Jay Z just talked about this last night on the, uh, like, as I watched that Letterman clip. Right. And he talks about some songs come to you, like, so instantaneous, like, you were three minutes later, it's done. And some takes months. And I can't remember the song that he referenced, but he said, like, it never got to the place where he had it in his head where right. it was supposed to be. And it's, and he said, like, I've won Grammys for that song, but I still hear it. I'm just like, oh, it's not. That's fascinating to me. Like, that's, that's Jay Z level of, you know, being creative yeah and still have that kind of like ah it's not yeah you know ah it's so much better now it's like oh if i just recorded it i love it well that's what i mean when you see people that are at that level of success and i, and I consider artists it's like if they can be that humble to say man to me that song's still not quite be. finished yeah everybody has to be we yeah. all have to go yeah. man that could be better or i can improve that and i feel like that's where that's the job the job is to always kind of evolve and grow and and do that I heard another musician say that about songwriting as well. It's like the goal is to get what I'm hearing in my head to come back at me through the speakers. And sometimes you never, right. ever make that happen. Even if a song goes on to become a hit, it's like it still doesn't sound like what I heard in my head yeah. that morning when I woke up. Right. I couldn't find a human way to put it into an instrument and through a microphone and into a piano to make it come back to me the way I heard it. And that keeps me up at night. And I'm like, so that's I get it. Across the board, I guess, like, you know, if you're a musician, if you're an actor, if you're a comedian, like, if you're a fine artist, you had the thing in your head, you want to get that out and, yeah. and then present that to an audience. It's, it's, it's more immediate with us as stand-ups, though, because it's like, here's the idea, bounce it off an audience, and then it's like, is that funny? Is that a thing? Is that a... Right. It is a thing. Okay, good, because I, I think it's a thing, and yeah. then you kind of massage it to where you think it's going to go. And... It's insane, because our creative process is done... Like, we're opening up a vein in front of strangers. Yeah. If you're a musician, you're not like, I'm going to make this new album in front of all these people no while kidding. we're trying to figure out oh the horn God. section. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, what about if it's a, like, bass starts here? Yeah. What, you know, like, you no. turn around to the drummer, like, sorry, guys, just one just, second. We're, gonna... we're just trying to get the hi-hat here yeah. figured out. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. That's what we do, right, yeah. at Open Mic Night. And, and uh, that's, to me, why it's one of the purest art forms, man, is because, like, every night you're up there trying to ride a yeah. wave every night, and the 8 o'clock show where you crush – doesn't mean shit for the 1030 nope. show who's a different crowd of people, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, uh, it keeps you humble, man. It keeps you humble. Because that's, you know, going back to small town guys leaving our town because we had that itch that we didn't, we had to explore. You know, I went off to theater school. I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to, you know, and uh, theater is, is still fascinating to me and I wish I could do it more, but it's, you know, it pays terrible. Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, stand up has become my, my, uh, <laughs> my thing. But, um, yeah, there was this that urge to to create, and uh, once I tried stand up for the first time, I was like, "Oh, this is the most immediate art form I've ever tried." Like, it's here's an idea instantaneously; it bounces back. Like, is this is this a thing? Whereas, if you do a theater piece, it's months of rehearsals and and um, line memorizing and character development and and staging and and you know and lighting and you know dress rehearsals. Then finally, you get an audience, and the audience goes, "Nah." Oh, yeah, like it's just so. Oh man, oh. that's just the worst. <laughs> and a movie, never mind. Like you can, you know, you shoot a movie and you get like 
three takes. You're like, okay, good. You're wrapped. You're done. Like, ah, I could have done it better. Yeah. And then you wait two years. And then you see yourself on screen for 30 seconds. That was like, yeah. well, this is not yeah, exactly. like I wanted to always create something and then get yeah. the the feedback. And then stand up was just immediately like, oh, this is the, yeah. this is the thing that I want to do. It's so funny. Cause yeah, that's the music parallel to me too. Is like, you can imagine like Keith Richards hitting the strings on his guitar but he's got to wait nine months for the sound to come sound, back to yeah, the speaker. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he would be like, no, I'm... And some guy in a suit decides whether or not the... Uh, uh, I don't yeah. know if no, we no, like no, the no. sound of the D chord there, but... Let's do four of those strings instead. <laughs> well, man, we've we've already crushed an hour. Did we? Dude. Well, well and, we, uh, and we brought it back. We started with uh, Small Town Boys. Yep, Small Town Went, Boys. We was our first around. track, actually, for our band. <laughs> Small Town Boys, <laughs> better than Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> And we brought it back. I brought it back fooling around. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll uh, we'll wrap up with this question, and feel free to to ramble on if you if you so choose. Okay. Here it is. Um, someone asked me this in a job interview years ago when I was back in the in the real world, and they asked me this question in a job interview, and I've always loved asking it to people. Uh, what is the biggest misconception people have about you, and what is the reality? So something that people think and you go, yeah, I've heard that before, but in reality, I'm this. I think, well, I think people who don't know me personally would go, oh, he's a gregarious guy. He's always, he's always on. He's always funny. He's always making jokes and making faces and, you know, falling down and making people laugh kind of things. Like, no, I'm just a normal guy. <laughs> I've been around comedians that are on like that all the time. And it's the most annoying thing I could ever imagine. Um, and apparently there was, there was guys that were brilliant at it. Like Chris Farley was brilliant at making people like he was like, he would just turn on and then be like, he would light up a room. Yeah. Robin Williams is another one like that. But Robin was one of those guys. They said like, if he was talking one-on-one, -on -one, he would be genuine and talking. But if a third person came in that he didn't know, boom, he just turned it on and he was a comedian. Right. And of course he was brilliant. He was hilarious. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, of course we have that same you know, we have that tool Switch. in our, but we're not on all the time. Like no. not, not at all. Uh, for the most part, like I wouldn't want people to remember me as like, Oh, he's, this guy was hilarious. He was on all the time. I would rather people go, Oh, he was such a nice guy. He was, you know, he listened and he, and he was thoughtful and, and funny. Like yeah. that's, that's the kind of misconception I think most people have of comedians, you know? Yeah. Oh, he's always talking. He's always, no, I'm a pretty quiet guy actually. Like, uh, yeah, I, I listen a lot. Well, there is that pressure. That's a great example, actually, because I think everyone who's a comedian has probably felt that. And I know when I, you know, when I used to get booked with other comedians, you're going to be traveling with them for a while. First thing you'd ask is like, good dude. You know what right. I mean? Like, I don't care about the funny part yet. I'm like, I gotta be in this car with this yeah. guy for six days. Like, <laughs> good dude. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, man, great dude. And then you're like, oh, yeah, funny. Like, that was almost secondary. Right. And I think, you know, people, whether it's anxiety or insecurity, they feel that sense of, like, I mean, other comedians trying to do it, but also uh, audience members coming up afterwards, and now they want to try and be funny in front of oh. you. And I'm like, oh, oh whoa, 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 you don't, you don't need to do that. That's fine. Oh. I just I just perform. We're good. We're yeah, good, yeah, you know? No, but good. they expect that. Oh, yeah, there you go. There he is. There no, he is. No. There like, oh, no, I don't want to be this. So, uh, so I get that totally. Well, dude, this was an awesome chat. Was it? And it was exactly what I wanted it to be. So uh, let's listen to it back, and then we'll write out the script. Script. And then we'll punch it up. We'll have some more characters. Then, We're going to uh, have more characters. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Sure. And i got to get some CGI. I let's, don't know how CGI works with the podcast. we got a good <laughs> car chase somehow. <laughs> <Graphics>. <laughs>
<laughs> but uh, no, it was exactly anything coming up that you want to. Uh, When's this coming out? We will be probably be dropping this in in within seven days time. For okay. Sure, yeah. I'm gonna be out in the East Coast. Okay. Uh, I'll be at the uh, the new comedy club out there called the Last Laugh Comedy Club in Halifax. Cool. First week of July. Uh, but you can check out all my dates at uh, at Zedlacker is kind of my handle. Z e d l a c h e r. Sweet. For whatever Twitter, Facebook, everything. Cool, yep. man. Awesome. Folks should do that. One of the funniest in the business. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Cool. Sweet. That's how it all started. Like a whisper in your ear. You told them you loved them. And ran as fast as you could. It's not to be taken lightly. Then you never were Your fingers bleeding Your body aches From the thunder in your heart So you laid on the line Blindfolded and chalk marked Like a good little soldier Knew just what you were Can you give up now? Can you turn this around? Can you keep your heart beating? How do you live when you don't know how? So you laid on the line, blindfolded and chalk marked, like a good little soldier, knew just what you were.